Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today I'm buzzing to have this guest on, QPR and Bosnia International, Azmir Begovic. You can't score from 90 yards away, can you? Not many times I can. You can. <laughs> oh, we're going to get onto that. But if I ever scored a goal, I'm picturing a last-minute scramble in the box or a header or whatever yeah. it is. I didn't picture it <laughs> ten, 10 seconds into a game. You know, Portsmouth was, was my first trial. was my only trial. I was supposed to go to Spurs. And I'm not, not ashamed to admit it, but I, I had to drop out of high school. Not a goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. Is, oh, come on. When, when Jose Mourinho calls, it's, it's really difficult to turn down. Being part of that group was, was maybe, yeah best experience I've ever had. John Terry's doing it. Cesc Fabregas is doing it. What am I going to do? Make a problem? When I first joined, they, they mentioned this kid, Aaron Ramsdale, to me. Such circumstances, AC Milan can call him. Crazy. No problems. Lutton does what he wants. Next yeah. day, comes in, two goals, one assist, we win the game. Literally, in the summer of 2009, the call came from, from Bosnia. Um, we're incredibly blessed to do what we do. What a save from Mark Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Uh, today, I'm buzzing to have this guest on. We've been talking for a while about coming on and just trying to work out the logistics of it, but I'm delighted he's finally here. I've got QPR and Bosnia international, Azmir Begovic. How you doing, mate? Mark, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for finally coming on. Like I said, we've been talking for ages. I've been, I've been excited to, for this episode a lot, especially... The friends that we have in common, Big Andy Lonergan, talks so highly of you. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, well, I've been meaning to come on here for ages. Obviously, you asked me, gosh, was it over a year ago? Um, but logistically, obviously, our schedules are busy. Yeah. So, um, it's yeah, it's nice to finally be here with you. No, amazing. Uh, and as I said, like we have got a lot of stuff in common. You are one of the people that I look to most that idolizes a goalie. And you are one of the biggest backers and advocates of goalkeeping. It's very kind of you. Uh, it's very kind of you to say that. I mean, that means a lot. I mean, yeah, I, I think goalkeeping is, is my life, really. Um, I've been in it ever since I was born, obviously very much in a goalkeeping family. Um, and I respect the position. I know what it takes to to obviously get to the highest level. But I think I know what it takes to, to really, you know, feel the pain uh, and be the goalkeeper from an emotional, but of course, from a technical and, and then of course, from a practical level. So, I uh, love everything about the position and uh, I will defend it to the moon and back. Yes, I love that. I'm <laughs> buzzing off that. Uh, as I said, you uh, recently joined QPR then at the age of 36. You're back playing week in, week out after yeah. a couple of years of, I hate saying second fiddle, but like... Understudy. Yeah, it, but it is what it is. Like you go in knowing you've got to push a number one goalkeeper in Jordan Pickford, and but be the, the model professional that you are. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. I mean, I think when... I look back at my career and, you know, in the game, um, you know, certain situations come up and you take on those challenges, uh, whatever it is, whether it's number one or number two gig, you do different things, things that you really fancy at that time. Um, maybe they, they fit your situation, your professional situation, your private situation, your family situations, whatever it is, you make the best possible decision at that, that time. Of course, I, I've done that before in my career. A couple of years ago, I decided to join Everton. Um and absolutely love my two years, really, you know, from a personal note. Um, 
working with Alan Kelly as a goalkeeper coach. Um, the goalkeeper group we had with Jordan, and you mentioned Andy Lonergan. Uh, Loner's there, Billy Quellen, Harry Tyres. So we were such a close-knit group that – and there, there's nothing better when you're in a really good goalkeeping group. It really um, – all things aside, who's playing, who's not. I think when you get on really well on a on a personal level, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. And obviously the club was going through difficult times and everything else. And – um, but on a daily basis, I absolutely love the work. Um, you know, we, we had some really good times together. And then this summer, I felt like it was time for, for a different, different challenge uh, for different reasons. Probably the two main reasons, one being uh, my family is based in the London area, uh, my wife and my kids. And I've been doing a lot of traveling over not just the last two not years. Not easy, that. <laughs> yeah, not just the last two years, but many years. Um, I've been doing this for 18 years now, so you sacrifice a lot. And the fact that I was able to find an opportunity to come home um, was very important to me. And then secondly, playing, playing week in and week out. Um, I'm really lucky that I feel great physically, mentally. Um, so it really ticked a lot of boxes for me. I'm in a similar situation to yourself. I still have so much desire to play, but if your role at that time changes and you're asked to do a different job, which is technically be a number two, number three, a training goalie. You, your mindset changes for that period. Even though you've still got the, the desire to play week in, week out, you just have to make the best of that situation and be the best person and goalkeeper you can be in that scenario. 100%. I mean, I've, I've done, as you rightly said, I've done the number one, I've done number two. Um, when I was younger, I was a number three or four up, you know, up and coming. So there was, there was different roles. I think one thing I have to mention is that's very important. Um, you know, I, I had a crazy childhood and, and life um, we're incredibly blessed to do what we do um, I think Mark as you rightly said we get to go and play football every day yeah. be goalkeepers dive around save the ball of course we'll take the all one in the face or whatever it that's is that's the best bit <laughs> no well it's the best bit I'd argue against that but um, <laughs> so we're so blessed to do this job so whether whatever position you're in really I, I never find it a chore um, it's not difficult um, to get, get up for doing that particular job of course professionally then yeah you, everyone wants to play if you don't want to play it's to be something weird right yeah, wrong course, with you yeah. um i don't you think any, be doing it anymore yeah i don't think any yeah. manager any goalkeeper coach would want you there if you didn't want to play because if you have to play why would they put someone in who doesn't yeah. want to be there so i really appreciate the job that we do um the career that we have so it's never been a chore and that's why even when i've been a number two we've had some great success and i've been able to push the guys in front of me uh trained well and then i think if you have a great number three then it just makes everyone so much better. So even sometimes when you're not playing, you can learn and be better in different things. Yeah, of course. And the dynamic between that goalkeeping group is what makes it so enjoyable. People, Non-goalkeepers find it so strange that only one of us will play and there'll be four or five others that are just really happy every day in training and like the mood's good and we work on our own down the separate end of the training yeah. ground. People find that so strange, but that's like our enjoyment. That's like, let's go over there and like do what we do and like get dirty, get the ball in the face and like, yeah. dive around like an idiot. Yeah, well, that's that's what it's all about. And of course, we get funny looks from outfield players and people like, oh, what, what's, why are they so happy? Well, actually, we, we enjoy being with each other. Um, goalkeeping groups, I think, like I said, when you get a really good dynamic, um, and that's actually a big issue in the game right now. I think you have people who make decisions who don't quite know the ins and outs, the intricacies of the game, especially a goalkeeping group. Um, the word dynamic is, is probably the most important when you look at a goalkeeping group because if you have players in that position or goalkeepers in those positions where they're not, I wouldn't say accepting, but understanding of the role, then it doesn't work. Yep. It doesn't work. I've been there where it's been a little too much friction, too much ego personality going on, and, and it doesn't work. Whereas people who make these decisions, I always call them non-football people, football <laughs> positions, um, then they look at stats or they look at age or something and they don't understand the dynamic and actually don't let the professionals like you know the goalkeeper coaches make those decisions who they bring into the department so the dynamic of a group is is the number one thing the number one most important thing by far right okay i've got some quick fire questions that i'm just going to crack on with now right so dead simple catch or parry um parry yeah well controversial for a goalie um, i actually do you know what i i oh god i divulge um, you, know, you can ask Lars, but they call it the Bego Perry. Um, they called me in the last couple of years. I, I think the game's evolved a lot over the yep. last 15, 20 years. Uh, the ball's faster, the balls move more. So, actually, for a tip for up and coming goalkeepers I, when I was growing up, I used to work on my parry. So, you would do technical sessions, as you know. They wouldn't just say, listen, you parry everything today. 
because you have to understand how to manipulate the ball, yeah. your hands into different areas. It doesn't just happen by chance, so it's something you have to work on. So that's why I say pair, but of course, if you can catch a ball, that's catch perfect. A ball, yeah. right. uh, tea or coffee? Uh, coffee. Play short or kick it long? <laughs> kick it long. Yeah, I love that. I'm the same era as you, mate. We're the same age. We're both 36. We yeah, definitely well, it's kick all it great. long. The thing is, it's all great playing it short, but if the defender doesn't want it, there's no point. You can't score from 90 yards away, can you? Not many times. I can. You can. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get onto that. Uh, Favourite ever goalkeeper? Oliver Kahn. Uh, best goalkeeper in the world right now? God, Mark. That's... <laughs> um, a little bit different, Mike Maynard. Nice, good shout. Yes, first person that said that. It's a good shout as well. I like that. Uh, I did also didn't want to upset all the guys. No, nah, of course, with, so. yeah. Right, uh, long sleeve shirts or short sleeve shirts? Long sleeve. Yeah. World Cup or Champions League? World Cup. Right, and then I've got save a penalty or score a goal, but <laughs> you've actually scored a goal, uh, a world record goal yeah. from 97.5 yards away. Yeah, actually, I, I'll still say save a penalty. Yeah, actually. save, save a last-minute penalty. Last minute penalties. Oh. Brilliant. I've got this dream that one day I want to go up for a last minute corner and score the winner. You know, like Alison did a few years ago. Yeah. I think just, I wouldn't know what to do. I, I no, know, exactly. I don't know if I'd stand there like Cantona or run away like Gaza crying. I don't know which one it would be. I think the emotions might take over. That was a shame about my goal, really. Is I'd, I'm same as you. If I ever scored a goal, I'm picturing a last minute scramble in the box or a header or whatever yeah. it is. I didn't picture it <laughs> 10 seconds into a game. So um, I think the emotion that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Can we talk about your goal for a bit? Of course you can. All right. Anytime, obviously from 97.5 yards away against Southampton. Obviously you've never, ever tried to do anything like this. It's like it goes through your head when you have like a free kick near the halfway line. You're like, I think I could shoot here. Yeah. And then you're like, I oh, look at the manager. No, not doing yeah, it. Exactly. You, and it goes through all of our mind at some point. So for you to actually have scored a goal, a little bit of help from a bit of wind, but. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> No, absolutely. Listen, it's it's um, something I didn't plan. It, it happened. Obviously, it was a great moment, and you know I cherish that moment probably more now than I did at the yeah. time. It's it's so rare. It's it's a very you look a little moment. bit embarrassed at the time. Yeah, I did. Well, I I didn't know what to do myself. As I said I, I never pictured it like that. The ball came back. You clear it. Obviously, I struck it well. A little bit of wind. A little bit of a wet pitch, and it's in. So what what do you do with yourself? Yeah. Um, I gen generally don't show too much emotion on the field. Yeah. And, um, I'm not a huge guy shouting this, that, and everything. So I try and keep my emotions in check. And I, and again, I didn't know really what to do with myself. And so I did nothing. Especially 10 seconds into a game. Yeah. That's the, for the rest of the game, were you, did you keep thinking, I've actually scored today? Yeah, I kept thinking. But the most important thing was like, please don't lose this game. <laughs> yeah, quite. Because <laughs> that would have sucked. Or if you had a stinker and let exactly. one in. Like, so that kills it, doesn't it? It was a good, clean game. Scored a goal, 1-1. One, one against the good Southampton team, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, let's go back to the early years then. Uh, why goalkeeping? Yeah, Mark, for me, it was really simple because it was it was in my family. Uh, honestly, um, my dad was a professional goalkeeper in the former Yugoslavia. My granddad used to play in goal, and for me, it was just simple. As soon as I was born, I was basically born, born into to, the born role. Into it, born to wear gloves. Um, I was in and around my dad from, yeah, literally the, the early years. Um, I joined my first team at the age of five. Yeah, and you was know, you straight in goal? Straight in goal. You never yeah. thought about playing. So outfield. I was straight in goal from like three or four, but actually organized football was from the age of five yeah. in Germany, and um, never thought about playing anything else. Yeah, that that was me. Um, all I ever wanted to do was a professional goal, be a professional goalkeeper. Um, people always said you need a plan B, you need to do this, you need to do that, and of course I understand that, and I think it's sensible to do so. But for you know, thankfully for me, plan A worked out and. That's all I ever wanted to do. Love doing it, and yeah, really um, glad it worked out. And I was lucky to have my dad as a coach. You know what it's like. Um, not having goalkeeper coaching is tough. Uh, learning the position is tough. You can't really do it by yourself. Um, so it's having a, him, it's important. a lot more widely available now. Coaching. It is now. It is now. But, but when we were coming through, it was our parents taking us in the back yeah. garden or down the park, and it was exactly. literally a few cones and. My dad had very limited knowledge, but obviously I done something okay. But obviously to have that goalkeeping background in your in your family must have been an incredible help and you just knew straight away. Well, massive one from the fact that yeah, he was coaching me once or twice a week. Two that I was around him. Um he used to still when we moved to Germany play semi professionally and um I was like a mascot, so I was around him, I was watching his games, I was around the team bus. Um so not only did I understand the position from 
you know, an individual point of view, I actually understood the intricacies and the mentality of a team, the game, understanding as much as I could. And I, you know, I was, I was really lucky to have that education. Yeah. Now, obviously, moving to Germany at such a young age, with your Bosnian heritage, a uh, bit of Canadian in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and an American wife, you're well adapted to to moving around and stuff. So when the opportunity came to to move over to England and to do a scholarship over here, was it just that was it? Like hands down, I'm I'm going. Yeah, it was it was hands down. I mean, I um, as you said, had quite an eventful childhood. Um, Bosnia for four years, Germany for six, then Canada for six, and at the age of thirteen, fourteen, and you have to keep in mind. Canada then, so 20 plus years ago, wasn't what Canada is now. Yep. Um, we didn't have the same opportunities as, as the MLS, as the you know, CPL, uh, USL, all those teams that are going on now. Europe really was the only thing, or Central South America. MLS was starting, you know, just really getting getting going at that time. So it was difficult to get, you know, from Edmonton in Canada to get to Europe. It's like such a far, far, far dream. And I, and I, and I, didn't know when it was going to come, when the opportunity would come. But at about 13, 14, you start playing for your regional teams. You start playing for your provincial teams, um, playing in national competitions. And, yeah, under 15, when I first got selected for Canada, I was like, okay, now we're getting serious. And um, we were in the national training centers. We played some international games. And that's when I was, you know, getting scouted and people coming in to my family, to my dad, and presenting opportunities and everything else. So, yeah, when in 2003 the opportunity came to England was was massive um you know Portsmouth was was my first trial was my only trial I was supposed to go to Spurs and within two or three days everything worked out I was offered a contract um offered an opportunity and I didn't think twice and um yeah it was just you know that was my breakthrough into the English game what age did you start thinking of goalkeeping as your job um this is different for a lot of people probably about yeah 14 15 um as soon as I got selected for the under-15 national team, they put these regional... Because tra- Canada was such a big country. So you had your West Coast, your Central Canada, you had the East Coast. So they put them in different regions. And they then made you train about four or five times a week. Um, and that's that's when it started for me. So you were, you were doing your school during the day, and then you had to report uh, to each location four or five times a week. And then, then that's when it really was like, Okay, I've got to look at everything now. Start start training every day, serious. The friends go out the window. The socializing goes out the window, and that was my my full focus. It's, it's amazing that like all the goalies I've spoke to, there is just a switch at some point, and they're like, "No, goalkeeping's my job now. I've got to take this seriously." Yeah. And as much as you want to tell people concentrate on your education, it's so important. But when that goes in your head, you, you're like, "No, this is what I'm doing. Everything else has got to come with me when I can do it." and but the goalkeeping just became so important. That's it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not not ashamed to admit it, but I, I had to drop out of high school. I had to drop out yep. of school. Um, the school system in Canada goes to 18. Um, I was traveling a lot as a 14, 15, traveling a lot. I really understanding teachers. I was in a bit. Of, I was in a football academy in Edmonton where, uh, for half the year, you would do a, half your day was actually soccer, uh, as they call it. And um, so I had a lot of understanding teachers and people who helped me do my education, but. When that chance to you know came to come to England, I had to make a decision: Do I continue my education or do I give this a go? And you know, I chose football because that's all I ever wanted to do. And and really, you only have one shot at this. Yep. You know, I as bad as it sounds, not that I'm suggesting this to everyone, but you can do your education later. Yep. Um, you can do it in different ways now, especially these days, online courses, everything else. So I gave it a go and. You know, took that risk at that time. Right, okay. Before we crack on with uh, you moving over to England and stuff like that, I want to talk through stuff. I'm going to do our quiz now. I don't know if you, okay. you've seen goalie or no goalie. Um. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have, I have a few times heard this. So yeah, right. So I've got five current international goalkeepers that were in their last squad. Uh, and I've got five made-up names or fictitious people from around the world, okay? Okay. So it's one point for each correct answer. I'm going to bring the scoreboard in now because I can't count. <laughs> Go to school, people. Not, regardless of what we just said. Right, so one point for each answer. Uh, number one, Brian Cortez. Um, real. He is a goalkeeper. Say goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, goalkeeper or no yeah. goalkeeper. So he is a goalkeeper. He is Chile and Colo Colo in Chile, goalkeeper. I reckon you're going to be really good at this because no, yeah, you're scouting reports no, for your gloves no, no. and stuff like that. You're an intelligent guy anyway. Well, they don't it's quite stretch of chilly, but anyway. Yeah, well, you never know. He might be yeah. on the radar now. <laughs> right, number two, Keith Mitchell. The golfer. <laughs> <laughs> I've been asked to put this yeah. one in there for you. <laughs> yes, Keith Mitchell, the golfer. Um, not a goalkeeper. Yeah, not a goalkeeper, correct. <laughs> There's a bit of a backstory between... We uh, love Keith Mitchell. Yeah, apparently you liked betting on an outside golfer quite a uh, fair we bit. Just, we have a lot of fun, um, especially in, in Everton. We, we had a good... Um, yeah, we love our golf. Um, and uh, every week we'd, <laughs> we'd look at some names and, you know, put, a, put a, a couple quid on them just for a bit of banter. And Keith Mitchell was one of our popular ones yeah, among amongst a few others yeah okay right nice uh right number three ralph sean uh not a goalkeeper he is a goalkeeper he's luxembourg and wilts uh, goalkeeper currently second bottom in luxembourg league you'll probably be able to pronounce his name slightly better than me you do speak four languages as well yeah. don't you okay how was sean sean ralph sean sure yeah sean yeah nice i like that uh, right, number four, Drew McIntyre. Um, goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. No. He is the first British WWE champion. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, the big <laughs> long hair guy. That's him, yeah. See, yeah. Some of the names, you'll recognise the names and think, yeah. oh, I think I've heard of that yeah. one. It's, oh. Obviously, it's a trick. Right, number five, Carlos Acevedo. Carlos Acevedo. Um not a goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. Is a, come on. He is Mexico and Santos Laguna goalie. This is unbelievable. Some headband, that. Loving that. I wish I could grow hair like that now. <laughs> Mine's going. Yeah, not, not <laughs> right. I guess. Number six, Kyle Broflowski. Kyle Broflowski. Um, I love the way you say it compared to me. Oh, gosh. Uh, da, da, da. Let's say he is da, da, da. he is not a goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. It is Kyle from South Park. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you said he is not a goalie. Yeah. But again, a name that should be a goalie's name. That's a great yeah, goalie's yeah, name. Kyle Broflowski. I see you up the ante for me. Here yeah, today. exactly. Yeah. Don't get like Selzy. Selzy yeah. complain. I've had a few guests complain, actually, saying that it's a stitch up. It is a stitch up. The whole <laughs> thing's meant to be a play on words. Go on. Right. Number seven, Franz Schubert. Goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. He is former Austrian classical music composer. Unbelievable. Sounds like a great goalie as well, doesn't he? Franz Schubert. Sure, he's not a young goalkeeper like Rapid Vienna or something. I've checked. I've d I do yeah. do my stats. I, d I check it all. Fact check it. Right. Number eight, Roman Salanto. Salantano. Roman um, Salantano. I will say he is a goalkeeper. He is a goalie. He is USA and FC Cincinnati goalkeeper. Yeah. All right. Number nine, Fabrice Ondoa. He is not a goalkeeper. Fabrice Ondoa is a goalkeeper yeah. for Cameroon and Order goalkeeper in goodness, Latvia. Goodness me. <laughs> and finally, right, let's get you to, what are you on there? Four. Four. Let's get you to five, right. Number 10, Akshay Baita. Uh, he's a golfer. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's another one of your golfers. Yeah. I've never heard of yeah. this guy. Lonna's on the phone this morning when I was asking him for some like, bit of background info yeah. on you. He yeah. was cracking up as soon as he said this name. <laughs> I was like, he's got to go in goalie or no goalie. Get him in a uh, hundred, yeah, he's a few hundred to one shots. There you go. Yeah. I've never heard of him. I love my golf as well. Yeah, lefty. As well. Yeah, good golfer. Yeah. Won you a couple of quid or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. good. Yeah, each way bets. Five out of ten. Yeah, I'll take the, the 
steady away. You could have just said goalie for everyone. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You could have done. Right. uh, Obviously, you moved to England at uh, 16, 17 years old. And it's a a huge step. Uh, Did you just move on your own and straight into digs? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was really as simple as that. I mean, I was was super lucky. Um, My digs lady, she was like my my second mom. You know, she was she was fantastic. Looked after me really, really well. And um, but I, I guess at first it was tough because. Yeah, you're moving from Edmonton to, to Portsmouth, and it's two different worlds, 10-hour um, flight. So it was a long way from the family. But, you know, once – I think, th- thankfully, I spoke the language. Speaking English helped. Um, so I was able to settle in pretty quickly. Yeah, FaceTime's <laughs> not what it is now as well. No, it wasn't. Staying in contact I, I would have been had, a lot difficult. I had phone cards, you yep. know, minutes for a certain amount of money. Um, yeah, it was a lot different at that time. Skype, I think, was just coming into onto the scene. So – yeah, it was difficult, but um, like I said, I was in a really good place, a really good club. Not just my digs lady; everyone looked after me and made it really easy. As a club, as well, you'd have had some really good goalkeepers to look up to and aspire to. Did did they play a big part on building you as a, a goalkeeper and as a person? So, um, probably a couple of people worth worth mentioning at that club. Um, initially, um, my my coaches. I mean, we didn't have a, and now you have so many academy coaches, goalkeeper coaches. Um, so we didn't have an academy goalkeeper coach. I was training with the first team the odd time. Alan Knight, yeah. Knightsy was the goalkeeper coach. That that was nice. Uh, but Shaka Hislop was the first team goalkeeper at that time, and someone I'm still in touch with now. Amazing, yeah. Um, what a goalie pretty, he was, as which well. was pretty cool. And you know, at that time, he was like, "Oh, this is big time." Yeah. And um, so he was he was great for me. He would just ask how I am the odd time. But in, after a couple of years of being a Portsmouth at Lone Spur in Belgium, the, the, the main person, and I've spoken about him before, was David Coles. Yep. Um, he really grabbed a hold of me. Um, Coles is a great guy. Yeah, so. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better goalkeeping coach. You know, I mentioned my coaches, Mark O'Connor, Sean North, the academy director, David Hurst, who still messages me from now uh, time to time. So those people were super important to get me in to the club, settle me in, but then... The person who took my career on to the next level was was David Coles, yep. um, and literally from everything from on the field to off the field, um, from in the mind, everything psychologically, yeah, he was the one that really made my career made, yeah, made me into the goalkeeper. I probably still am today. Yeah, obviously, I've had conversations with him in the past, and I still speak to him like via messenger and that. And I've never worked with him, never had the pleasure, but I've heard so much good stuff about him and. The amount of influence he's had on goalkeepers throughout his career, uh, coaching career, unbelievable. I mean, he should still be coaching now. I think he does does a couple of bits in around the game. Um, you know, people underestimate his, yeah, his knowledge and his know how of the game. But he was incredible to me. And I look back at it now, he basically took me apart and put me back together from a technical point of view. Um, he brought out the mental side as well, and and really supported me in in those early years because. He did the stuff on the field, the training, and he said he got to a point where, listen, I can only do so much. I can do so much, and I, you now you have to go and play games. Yep. So you play those games, and you make get that experience, have an injury or two, and then you go to, to a loan spell. You, you make some mistakes and do what you need to do, but he was always right there to really help me through everything yep. and really support me through it and push me. And, and again, he was the advocate. He really was the person who pushed everything for me and pushed the club to give me my Premier League debut and, you know, really stuck his neck out there for me. And, you know, he was just everything I could ever ask for in a, in a goalkeeper coach, but most importantly, you know, a friend now as well. Yeah, amazing. Uh, obviously, I've got down some of your loan moves here. Uh, La Livre? La Livier. La Livier. Macclesfield, Bournemouth, Yeovil and Ipswich. So, like like you said, you you go out on loan, you learn the game and you make mistakes and you come back and you, you get re-nurtured and re-put back out on loan. Every goalkeeper I speak to, like their loan experiences are one of the biggest aspects of helping them push on, develop, get stronger, get physically better, mentally better. Obviously, with yourself, that must have been a huge case as well. Yeah, and, and every loan spell had its own different challenge, you know, you, that I was probably coming to the first time. So you go to La Louvière, I've got to live in Belgium on my own for a year. So as much as I didn't play that many games, I really learned again to look after myself. I wasn't in digs. I wasn't doing anything. I was on my own, proper on my own for the first time ever in a small small town in Belgium. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You either sink or swim. And of course, you have to really kind of fend for yourself. Then you go to Macclesfield. It's your first taste of English football. 
And believe you me, as you rightly know, in those days, uh, <laughs> it was a massive welcome. And you do really well. The club wants you to stay. The manager wants you to stay. And then you get an injury. So you've got to deal with that. Um, you go to Bournemouth where you don't have a proper goalkeeper coach. The manager forces you to go there. You don't really want to go there. You want to go somewhere else. And it's a three-month, meh, nothing, nothing yep. move. So you got to go again. And then what I learned going to Yeovil, which was fantastic, the goalkeeper coach is massive. So David Coles, Newland Bond, they're, they're talking the same language yep. to you. You understand what he wants you to do, how you play, how to play the game, and you feel super comfortable. And then things really start to come together. So when everyone's on the same page, you know, you can do some really good things. Yeah, that, and that that's one of the biggest influences on your career. It's like those goalkeeper coaches that do nurture you and ha put their arm around you in the good times, in the bad times. Like going out on loan, I, I, I experienced it when I was younger. First loan I ever had was Falkirk in Scotland, played in the SPL in front of like, I think my first game was in front of 10,000 people. My second game was in front of 50,000 yeah. people. Like it just... It made me go, oh, my God, I need to get better. I need to get physically better. I need to be sharper, stronger. And it, I just all of a sudden, just it, another another light bulb just went on. It's like, this is what I want to do. This is how I do it. Exactly. It's right. I say it's a great way of putting it. The light bulb went on. Um, you start seeing new things, new experiences, new levels, um, you know, and it just pushes you. And it's like, you know, I was going sort of League Two, League One, Championship, Taste of the Premier League. Then you're playing cup games and then you're tasting international. So every time was a level up. Yep. Pushes you, pushes you, pushes you. And, you know, you either see whether you can cope with it or you can't. And, you know, um, like I said, having those right people around you was very important. Yeah. And then this, this leads on to you being bought by Stoke uh, and having a really successful period of, you, of your career there, playing over 160 games for them. And you really establish yourself in the English game almost as like, as missed some goalkeeper by yeah. the way. Yeah, I mean, again, I was at an age where I started to figure things out. I really I was, in, you know, what was that, 2021. 20, um, I really started to figure things out. So what I learned through all those loan spells and working with Colsey was working with that person. We talked about dynamic of the goalkeeper coach, and that was crucial in me going to Stoke, probably over other teams, was I was really excited to work with Andy Kwai. Um, in, a, in our meetings, it was super important, uh, just the way we, we spoke. And he spoke and what he, how he wanted to work on a daily basis. That was really important. Tony Pulis, of course, the manager, he had the final say. He was super persuasive and he had to obviously give me that chance. Again, I go to Stoke. Mark O'Connor, who was the, my under-18s coach when I first came to England in 2003, was one of the assistants. So it was a really good fit. Um, really good people to work with on a daily basis. And then, and then boom, you know, everything took off from there. You know, as soon as Tony gave me that chance... Um, yeah, I never really, just never really looked back. And yep. um, great club, great teammates, super goalkeeper coach, obviously fantastic fans. And, you know, he really gave me the opportunity to establish myself at the highest level. And that's that's clearly what you went on and did. And it just looked like you was, you was at a, a great place personally because you was getting the best out of yourself and playing some really good stuff as well. Like, obviously, uh, I remember some of your saves from that period that, you were still young, but you just developed into a different animal, like year on year and year. Yeah, and it was all because I was in the right environment. Yep. You know, we talk about tips for young goalkeepers. I, I say, oh, like, who's who's your coach? Who's the goalkeeper coach? Like, do you get on? Is, is the situation well? Is there turmoil? Is everything? But it was a it was a perfect situation for me to really go in and, and be successful. Yeah, you know, everything was there for me, and um, you know, other places it may, might have been more chaotic, but this was really. Yeah, really the place for me, and it worked out well. And then you then moved to Chelsea. Uh, and then it's, again, another different step in your career. This is, like, kind of the first time that you've established yourself, but then have to then... You, I think you only played 20-odd uh, games or something, but mentally was that hard at first to then go from playing to not? Yeah, uh, so it's a bit more context on that. Is, as, you, as you know, you, you, you're playing at Stoke. So I'm playing at Stoke. Five and a half years I spent there. And within the first two or three years, you know, I was really getting established yep. at a certain level, playing in Premier League every week, playing internationally for Bosnia. So you're you're doing everything at the highest level, and and then that thought comes in about the the, the next level, the next level, yeah, of is, course, which is only really one more level to go, and that's sort of that top club level uh, where you're competing for trophies, playing European football, we you know year on year out, and 
you know, a lot of opportunities came and went for different reasons. We all know football is a business. Yeah. <laughs> football is very much a business. Um, and I got to a point where I had a year left of my deal and, and it became apparent like this, this was really the time to, to move on to that next level. And I was ready for it. I felt yeah. like I did everything I, I could at Stoke at that time. Uh, personally, as a team, we, we really maximized everything that we had and it was time to move on. And I, and I chose Chelsea. I could have gone to other clubs um, abroad. But when, when Jose Mourinho calls, it's, it's, it's really difficult to turn down. I bet it is, yeah. It's really difficult to turn down. And the way he sold it, and of course the way uh, the goalkeeper coach saw it, this is what he wanted, two top-level goalkeepers. And you saw the way they worked. Chelsea were, I think, the standard in the industry at that time in football as well, just as a club. But in goalkeeping, you saw the, the Petrochecks, the Thibaut Courtois, myself, yep. Ross Turnbull at the time. There was Jamal Black. It was just like the so profile of goalkeepers, very similar. Yep. Um, it was all there for you to be successful. And and I was ready to take that challenge on. I said, was it... At first, it wasn't so difficult not to play because it was a massive change. And I actually played a lot of games right at the beginning yes, when, did, Thibaut, yeah. when Thibaut got yep. injured. So I was playing all these different games. And then, you know, second half of the season... He was back. I didn't play as much. And then already you start thinking, oh, I'm 29. Yep. I feel amazing. I feel like I can do it. Um, but I, I, I was really happy that I stayed on another year, yep. at least, because that's when we won the league. And being part of that group was was maybe, yeah, the best experience I ever had. Uh, I wanted to team. ask a little bit about working with that group and with Jose Mourinho. And th that caliber of player that you had in that Chelsea squad just must have been an incredible time to be part of. Yeah, and I, and I do generally mean this, even though I didn't play especially in the second year, I didn't play as much. Training with those players every day makes you better. Yeah, of course. It, it really it really does. I mean, it's just our training sessions are probably at a higher level than most other games that people are playing. Yep. It, it, it was incredible. The, the standard of players, the squad that we had, the togetherness that we had, the players, the level of players who had to sacrifice for the better of the team was so... If, if John Terry's doing it, if Cesc Fabregas is doing it, what am I going to do? Make a problem? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean, yeah. you fit in line. Yep. You don't. You don't even think about it. You train. You help. You lead. Whatever it is you need to do, you help your teammate, and then that's what brings success. And that's what I was able to see again. I was made better by seeing something behind the scenes uh, that was so integral to to winning obviously a title do you think that that's helped you off the off the pitch as well because of the mentality of that dressing room and like the leadership roles uh i've obviously we've mentioned a couple of times but lonas talks really highly about you and especially your leadership role at everton that you had and how well thought of and well you speak in a dressing room do you think that that time at chelsea was like one of the massive massive i honestly it was like i said you you, you yeah you know it's a simple being a good goalkeeper or not but are you a good professional? Yeah. Are you a good person? Um, how do you affect others? How do you inspire others? How do you lead others? And just being around these people, I mean, you know, these players, um, not, not only are the players, but the managers, Mourinho, Hibbing, Conte, you know, these are world-class managers, so Maybe. everything is world-class. So you, you see different things, you interact with them differently, you pick up bits and pieces, and of course, then you try and integrate it, that into your own personality. So. I learned, yeah, couldn't have learned more. I mean, it was just, you know, a fantastic, fantastic place to be a part of. And I, and then, I mean, that, that, that club at the time, we, we were, I thought, honestly, we were the standard. Uh, it was just when you look at the club, the owner, the people running the show, first class. Everyone's first class. Um, then the academy, the youngsters coming through was, I mean, it was frightening. Frightening, yeah. Just, I've never seen anything like it. And um, overall, yeah, just what a place to be a part of. It must have been quite hard to leave once you experience obviously the, the league title win but for your own career did you think it was now again time yeah. you do reach a point in your after a certain amount of contract after your contract you, you think oh, is it time is it time and then what did you feel like it was time or did you <laughs> I, I did and I didn't you know overall I did um, of course it was wasn't easy to leave um, the club is not, not no one kicked me out they didn't want me no. to leave but yeah, then I was I was thirty, then I turned thirty, and I was like, oh gosh, you know, I, I, I really want to play. Yeah, I had that itch to play. Uh, not playing every week, um, just couldn't. I couldn't. Just a desire in you, isn't it? You know, Mark, and I couldn't overcome that. So everything else was perfect. Be part of Chelsea, be part of the trophies, be part of everything. Um, but the overriding feeling was, listen, I wanted to play, the chance to play every week in the Premier League, 
you know, for a good team in Bournemouth at the time with, with a very young, hungry manager and everything, the good squad. Yeah, I just couldn't turn it down. No, of course. And you had a really successful period then at Bournemouth as well. So, But like I was saying, I see a lot of myself in, in yourself that is in like how you conduct yourself in a dressing room and the way you speak to people and your professionalism is obviously unrivaled. That in a dressing room, I don't think sometimes holds enough value that people don't see. But in a dressing room, it does. And the respect that you have in that dressing room and how your voice is heard is a total different aspect. So really, you know, we talked earlier in our conversation, the dynamic of a goalkeeping group is, is the number one thing. Yeah. Well, actually, really, when you take it to a team aspect, it's probably, again, the number one thing. It's the people. Yeah. We're, we're people every day. We're not, we're not robots. We're people. Um, can you build a group of people, a group of men, to go to work together every day and respect each other and want the best for each other? Yeah. And people underestimate that. Like I said, they, they look at stats or everyone else and just put pieces together. But really, it's it's people. Again, can you can you find a good balance of characters and people? Yeah. And uh, if you can, then you have a pretty good chance of doing some good things. So um, it, it's super important. Um the value of, I mean, I call them glue guys, you know, who can keep people together in yep. a dressing room. You know, of course, as players are going to be happy to playing, there's going to be players who are devastated and not playing, maybe can't deal with it. Who are those guys in the middle that can really blend everyone, train well every day, set the example, um, set the atmosphere light, you know, keep everything ticking over. And I think those there's, there's a massive value in them. But you have to know the, 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 the person, yeah. the personality, yeah, exactly. Uh, for really to you know to, to pick those right guys. Yeah, and I 100% agree because I'm I'm not a ranter and a raver. I'm one that will just go and have a little quiet chat with someone and say, if you did this, this would help him do that, and I could help you do that. Yeah. And like I'm one of those people that just goes around like you saying like like the glue aspect. But like I like to just go and say like individually, can you do this? Because we could all do this then together. And if you do this, it'll improve what we're doing as a team. Uh, I think like those sort of dynamics are really important, but. I was going to get on to more about Bournemouth and stuff because you end up working and competing with some really top goalkeepers there too. And it's it's always a case in our position that there's only one can play, yep. but we all push each other as hard as we can and we all fight for that place. But come Saturday, you're also pushing them to do well. It's, uh, I, again, it's the dynamic, but it's just who we are as people. We, we all get what that role is. And I think it's hard for some people to hear going, no, no, you've got to have, like, you want to play, you've got to be angry about it. No, it's not that. We want the team to do well. Mark, I mean, obviously, knowing you, um, I respect you as a person, that that's exactly what you've nailed there because I think Monday to Friday, of course, um, do I want to save more shots than everyone else? Of course you do. Um, do, I want to do I want to win every 11-a-side, 5-a-side? Yes, yep. I do. Um, but when it's on a Saturday and it's 3 o'clock or whatever the game is, we need to win. We need to win, yeah, as a team. We yeah. need to we need to win because if you lose, it's not good for anyone. Yeah, it really is not good for anyone. Um, or we need to perform. Sometimes you can play well but lose, but we need to perform. So if I'm not, if I'm the number two, either with you know Tebow and whatever Gigi and ever whoever it is, like we need everyone to be positive. I don't. We don't want any toxicity. I don't. We don't need any negativity around that day. That day is all about whoever's playing, how, however we're playing, we need to get a result. Yep. So everyone can play their part and contribute. So it's it's the best way of putting it because it's very simple. If the team wins, it's a great place to be around. Yeah, it's a better everyone, environment. Everyone gets rewarded. Yep. Even if you didn't want a move in the summer, everyone's in a better mood. Everything's everything's taken over nicely. Whereas if you're losing, uh, not getting the results, then becomes a much more difficult place for everyone. Monday morning's a dark place it's if you've never, lost on a Saturday. It's, it's not easy. Great. It's never great. Um, like I said, if you play well and you're unlucky, all these things can happen. Um, but if it's a toxic environment, honestly, it's no fun for anyone, whether you're playing or not playing. It's just not enjoyable at all. Uh, I also briefly want to ask about Carabag and AC Milan, obviously. Like, that just must have been an incredible experience at that point. Yeah, I mean, such a different experience. Yeah. Um, obviously, I went to Bournemouth. Uh, played a lot of games those a lot first of games, two yeah. years um, and then obviously the club when I first joined they, they mentioned this kid Aaron Ramsdale to me and uh, he said as we need obviously your, your personality we need to help you guide a couple of youngsters Mark Travers was also there so actually Bournemouth were doing a lot of things right yeah. um, talk about Neil Moss being the head of the goalkeeping there a lot of things right so they wanted the dynamic was actually really really good and, and Rambo was out playing and learning and they decided to go with him um, after a couple of years and you know I was um, looking for different options and 
got to the end of the window. As business football is a business, I don't know how uh, it didn't get sorted sooner. Get to the end of the window, and I'm thinking, well, do I stay at Bournemouth? And I'm obviously not on the plans. They decided to go in different directions. Do I sit in the stands and um, do nothing, or do I go and experience something else? So when Carabao calls, okay, screw it, let's do it. Yeah, you know, um, some of the best three and a half months ever in terms of um, being refreshed as a professional, getting away from England, just everything, just honestly going to enjoy my football. Um, it was a really good club, actually not a bad league. We played in Europa League, we played Sevilla, um, and it was just an amazing experience. Met some new people. Difficulty was I was away from my family, so that wasn't ideal. So January comes, they would like me to stay. I said, listen, I'd like to be closer to home. And by playing Europa League and being seen and the circumstances, AC Milan come calling. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. And then you're like, wow, this was meant to be. And that was... Um, it's just a special few months. I mean, it's a special club, special people, top to bottom. Never seen anything like it. I mean, they, they literally bleed red and black. Yeah. You know, from the security guys to the drivers to the bus driver to the to the chefs, the waiters, everyone there. They're Milanistas. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, obviously, as a place, it must be beautiful. But like you're saying, like, the desire and the passion of that club, I... I you can't help but follow it as a football fan anyway, that what they do and the squad that they had at the time. Oh, obviously, I want to talk about Ibrahimovic just slightly. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to get his name out there. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Uh, he must have been an incredible person to work with. And just to see what he was doing, with, even at that age, with his body and... Just a machine. Yeah. Just an absolute machine. Um, so I went into a bit of a, into the club at a bit of a tricky time. Um, you know, you associate Milan with competing for championships, Scudettos every yep. year, Champions League, obviously, some of the players they've had. Uh, but they went through a couple of, you know, a few tougher years. But what they had done was build a really good young core. Yeah. Um, some really, really good young players, but they were the youngest team in the league, sitting, I think, just under mid-table in the in the league table. And um, some of those youngsters, Rafa Leao, Ismail Benacer, Frank Kessie, um, there were some special players in that dressing room, really young special players. But what they needed was experience and leadership. So when that's why that call came in January was that they needed three or four senior pros to really come in, set the atmosphere, set the culture, and hold people accountable. And there's no one more <laughs> appropriate than that than Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And, um, of course, Simon Kier myself came in, and we, we really much helped him with that. But he was he was an absolute physical machine. Yeah. Um, Every single day he was on it in terms of himself. You know, even the club, the physio saying, you know, Zlatan, please calm down for a couple of days. Like you're 37, you're 37, 38 time. We need you for Saturday. He's like, no, I must, I must train. I'm going to train. I'm in the gym. And um, he set the standard every single day. And you're, he was, he called out every single player. If they weren't doing anything right, if they were late for the gym, if they didn't train properly, if they didn't pass properly, warm up properly, nothing gets past him. Absolutely nothing has passed him. And I've never seen it. I've just never seen anything like it. I mean, probably JT and a couple of boys at Chelsea being similar, but he was, boom, on you every day. If you came in with a new car and you were a young player, he'd tell you to get rid of it. No way. That's you know, amazing. You, you to have hear. to earn it. You yeah. have to really get in it. And that sort of atmosphere shift was incredible to be, be a part of. Yeah. You know, we ended up finishing the season, I think, 13 games unbeaten. That's amazing. Qualifying yeah. for Europe when we're nowhere near it in, in January. And these behaviors every single day where we talk about top level environment was, was just incredible to be a part of. Yeah, no, see, I, I love hearing stuff like that because I'm a massive advocate for the the over 30 player that doesn't get, they all think that we're towards the end of our career. We've got so much value. And obviously someone like Zlatan, someone like yourself going into a dressing room and setting that professionalism and being on top of discipline and just letting people know the, the, the standards that's needed to survive at the very, very top, like yourself, like, is incredible. Yeah, and he was, he was, he was, he was a brand of a, he was a, just a, a giant of a man. Yeah. And everything he did, of course, he had his, um, you know, special dispensations for certain things. <laughs> um, it's quite funny, actually, I'll tell you a story quickly. Um, we had obviously a bit of a leadership group, um, Zlatan, myself, Simon, Alessio Romagnoli, and, um, we were, he was the club captain at the time, and we, we, we played Sampdoria. It's a midweek game the next night, and we train in the afternoon, and Stefano Pioli, manager, calls us um, four into the into, into his office. He said, just to let you know, um, you know Zlatan's not going to be at dinner tonight. He's going to come straight to the game, to the hotel tomorrow for the game. 
Um, and he's like, okay, he's, he's got some sponsorship stuff he needs to take care of and he'll be there. Um, which was unheard of. <laughs> no yeah, one yeah, else yeah. said that. So we were like, okay, Gaffer, what would you like us to do about it? He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. You don't need to do anything. I just want to let you know. <laughs> so we were like, no problems. Lutton does what he wants. Next yeah. day, comes in, two goals, one assist. We win the game. And it's uh, it's no questions asked. Yeah. You know? And it was just, he was, yeah, he was just a man of his, um, man of his own oh, way, his own world and, you know, fantastic professional. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you've obviously played for Bosnia as well. Uh, you have a dual national sh uh, ship. How did that decision come about to play for Bosnia and not Canada? Yeah, well, Mark, listen, um, obviously grew up in, in Canada and those, those my, my teenage years and um, played through all under 15s to 21s, basically. Um, but I was never capped. And of course, as I, as I got into England, started playing over here, that subject came. Is he going to play for Canada? Is he going to play for Bosnia? And I was committed to Canada at the time, never capped. And then literally in the summer of 2009, the call came from, from Bosnia. And um, it wasn't an easy decision. Honestly, it wasn't. Um, it was a lot of emotions going on at that time. Um, my wife was also heavily pregnant with her first child and so many things going on and, um, you know, different conversations, different people pulling you in different directions. Um, yeah, but I thought for my family and for my football, it was best to, to go and represent Bosnia, um, playing at the highest level. Um, and, you know, it was one of the best decisions, definitely. Yeah, ever, of course, you've gone on to have 63 yeah. caps for your country. Yeah, you, you've we been would, Bosnia player of the year. like Everything, and we were just competing against the best. Yeah. I think we were top 15 in the world at yeah. some point. Um, special group of players. You know, I've made friends for life. And, you know, it was definitely memories and experiences I'll cherish forever. Oh, amazing. Right, I want to do the geeky stuff now. Let, can we talk about your gloves? Let's do it, yeah. yeah. This is Matt Smith, and this is the Glove Review on the Yours, Mine Away podcast. AB1 gloves. Asmir Begovic has his own brand of gloves and stuff. Uh, let's start from how that started. Yeah, so AB1 GK started literally about four years ago yeah. um, in, in, in the summer of 2019. Um I, I was contracted to other brands in the past and um, yeah, I became a free agent in that summer in terms of product and apparel. And, you know, I, I started my goalkeeper academies um, just a couple of years before that back home in Bosnia and people could, just couldn't get gloves uh, for different reasons. It was difficult to do it. And my academy coach was like, why don't we do our own? Why don't we do our own? And I was like, okay. So I started um, Martin Sanders who runs my brand. He was, he's, called the glove guru yeah. um, so he's been around uh, the game a long time and he said well yeah well, we can we can look and look into this and um and that summer we did some market research we thought about it and you know true you know, as as you would have it there was no other goalkeeper who had his own brand out there so we're thinking well okay could we could we do something like a that great gap in the market yeah there, there was there was literally we are ab1gk is one of one in the world there is no other goalkeeper who has his own goalkeeping brand. And, you know, I feel like it was really appropriate. It was worth taking that risk and gamble and trying to do something. And, you know, ever since we developed the brand and it's been, you know, the craziest journey, it's been an amazing journey. Um, so we, yeah, we do our products, which is, which is something that, that is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think it's relatable because it's the person wearing it. It's the name on the, on the, on the product. So I think yeah. it's, it's really, really cool. And then, you know, we develop a brand from there with academies and camps. And I think it's a whole goalkeeping thing. As we said earlier, we love goalkeeping. And, you know, just being able to be around the space all the time, 24-7, is, is really, really special. Uh, I think, obviously, like only for it be going, uh, it's been going for four years. But the type of person that you are makes people want to wear the glove anyway because of the professionalism that you've showed and the career that you've had. It, it must be quite nice to when you go to your the soccer schools or to games and people have got your gloves on that must be a hell of a yeah it's it's, it's like seeing your name on the back of yeah, a shirt mark it really is um yeah so i get it on both which is which is yep. cool it's really humbling yeah honestly it's um it's it's a passion project more than anything of course it is um it's turned into a pretty pretty big business yep. so of course there's that side of it but it is my passion it's really what i love and the fact that i can inspire maybe other other goalkeepers young goalkeepers the kids it's great to have the respect from fellow professionals to wear my product is is so cool as well. And like I said, I I don't take it for granted. So it's it's really cool. And I think we've we've created a really cool product, if I may say so myself. Um, you know, we've got a 
good ranges. We cover all the classic cuts and feels and with, with a, bit of, a bit of a modern twist as well. So there's definitely lots of things going on. And, you know, the gap in the market is the fact that, you know, you can buy these gloves for anywhere between 50 to 75 pounds and other brands. A lot are, cheaper than a lot of other uh, brands. Other brands, you know, the, it's, it's 125, 30 plus. And listen, I know from my parents how much, you know, they had to work to provide me with gloves and boots. And us goalkeepers, we have kids. Yeah. Buy boots, you have to buy gloves, buy shin pads, yeah. everything else. So it adds up. So if you can buy two of ours, three of ours for a pair of you know, one of the others, then I think people like that. Yeah. But most importantly, you don't lose the quality and you don't lose the fit or anything like that. So um, I think we've yeah, we've ticked a lot of good boxes. How hands-on are you with the design? And Yeah, pretty hands-on. Because um, you've got to wear them as well. Well, that's the thing. I have to trust them. Yep. Um, goalkeepers are like yourself. Mark, I, mean, I have the highest level. They have to trust them, which is great. Yep. And of course, our consumer, our customer, parents, young youngsters need to be comfortable with with the product yep. it needs to be reliable um so it has to be of a certain quality of course different price points different bits and pieces which is important but very much involved with it um the design it's one of the coolest things of the brand it's when you you know you put something out there today and then you see it develop over the next six to 12 months and it boom it releases and it's being worn all over the world and you think that's what it's all about it's actually a lot of fun so uh we have a really good yeah factory people make the product like I said, Mark, I couldn't do this without Martin Sanders. He's he's my right hand man. He runs the day to day operations, because yeah. um, I have a day job. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so I don't get to do everything. So you need the right people around yep. you, and um, yeah, really lucky to have a good team in place. Uh, obviously, th these are the new ones, right? Let's talk about uh, what we were talking about before. But you've made one glove really that can do all aspects. It's these have got the finger saves in them. They can be <laughs> removable. You, yeah, you've created a glove that's. One size fits all. Almost. Right. Well, what we've what we've done and what I've learned over the, like the four years, you know, you can have twenty different models, right? Uh, but really, what we're going to do because Uno three which is great timing of this pod, uh, is coming out anytime now, and this is the Uno two point zero one, which is what I've worn recently, and this is going to be the Uno three and we've streamlined that into really three or four models. So you look at this, you have your classic roll finger, um, which. Goalkeepers still love. Goalkeepers love, yeah. Still, still yeah. love, right? Uh, your classic roll finger. But what we've done is we've added a finger protection element, but it's removable. Yep. So we've almost put three models into one. Yep. As you rightly say. Genius, yeah. You know, whereas instead of having a finger protection model, a roll finger, and then a removable whatever, put it in one. So if you want your finger protection, great. If you don't want it, take it out. If you want them in two fingers, you keep them in two fingers, as some pros do. So it gives you all these different options. And, you know, 65 quid and the glove's yours. Oh, nice. Good. Right, let's do some geeky stuff on your gloves then, specifically. What size glove are you? Size 11. Uh, how often do you wear a new pair of gloves? Um, so I will wear... Actually, don't wear that many uh, that many gloves. I'll wear each pair for about four games. Four games, yeah. Uh, four or five games, depending on conditions. And they become my training gloves and I wear them into the ground. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's that's about it. So really one or two pairs a month someone like yourself it must be harder to not give your glove because people at the moment are thriving behind the in the stands asking for gloves and they think because they're your gloves you can just give them away but goalkeepers we're quite superstitious as a character and we like to keep our gloves and look after them and then wear them again and again because we've got a certain feel that we like or we get them to a condition that we like and it's really hard to say no sometimes yeah i mean it's that's the thing so i could probably wear 20 20 pairs a year yeah. um but it's more double than that because you have a lot of requests, charities, and different things. But it's going to, like you say, really, it has to be a really special circumstance for me to give away my match glove because, yeah, I'm maybe in one or two games into that. Yeah. I like them in a couple because they fit really well. You know, everything's good. Um, so I don't want to be giving them away just for for anything. So it has to be a really special uh, occasion for me to give away my match gloves. Yeah, that's a difficult thing. Uh, I wonder, how do you wear your gloves in and how do you take care of them? Um, pretty simple. Um, I'll wear my match gloves for the first every time. I'll wear them maybe the day before, two days before the, the game. Um, wear them for one training session, and then I'll wear them for the game. Yeah. And then all I do is just wash them in the shower. Yeah. Uh, don't machine wash them. Yeah. <laughs> if, listen, you can, but they dry out a lot yeah, quicker. Yeah, they dry a lot quicker, so it's not not the best thing to do. Um, so just wash them when, when you have a shower and let them dry naturally, off radiators, everything like that, and. Yeah. 
That should do the trick. Uh, and do you have uh, different latexes or different gloves that you wear for different balls? Because the, the footballs at the moment are so different from a cup ball to a league ball to training balls or even like this. Because that plastic coating that comes on a new match ball at the moment changes how you need your gloves. Yeah. Um, I What we have in the, in the ranges, there's different latexes for sure. I mean, I'm a pretty simple negative cut um, and I wear my, my match glove for any, any ball. Um, I don't make them specific for certain balls, but I, I certainly get it. Um, every ball is different. You have the EFL ball, then you have the Premier League ball, then you have the European competition. So th they are different. And yeah, I just I trust my gloves. I trust my hands. And, and it's the feel that for me is, is really important. That's the, that's the biggest factor. As long as you trust your gloves yeah. and you know what gloves and how to get them into the optimal condition for that ball or that weather condition. Or as we said earlier, Mark, just parry the ball. Yeah, just parry the ball. Get it's a good shout. There uh, you go. Uh, obviously, uh, after your career and that you've got your glove brand set up, you've got your your foundations and stuff. I can see you going into management. Oh, no, I don't. I'm not so sure. Uh, I just think that the type of person and the professional that you are, that you've got that respect anyway. Is that something that you, you've started taking steps into? or? Yeah, it's definitely something I've started taking steps into. I've got my... Uh, I've done my B goalkeeping license, uh, UEFA B outfield. Um, so I think the A licenses will require a little bit more commitment. Um, but yeah, I've put a couple of things out there, obviously with my brand. Yep. I enjoy the media side. I mean, I respect you totally for this podcast. Everything you do, I think is super, super cool. So like the media side, I do believe we could do with a couple more goalkeeping pundits out yeah. there. You'd be a great, great, be great person to go into wouldn't, that role. Wouldn't, yeah. that be, wouldn't that be good? So that's an avenue I do like. Uh, the off the field stuff in terms of maybe director football, everything else, um, management. You never know. I I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, I have no idea when I'm gonna finish playing. Uh, you'll you'll be like me. Knock on wood. I'm like that. I uh, I've got no no point in me thinks about retiring at all. I, I'm thinking I can get to forty easily. My body will be. Um, I feel good. I feel mentally strong and like. I'm enjoying it. I, I proper. It. I really love what I do, That's and it. I can tell that you're a similar person in that. Is that your your body or your mind will tell you one way or another. Until exactly. that point, I'm not even talking about it. It's just a number. But Mark, it's, it's spot on. I mean, you absolutely nailed it. Um, people ask well, how are you going. I don't know. I don't know when that moment will come. Everyone tells you, you kind of know. You'll you'll find out, and that moment will come. I don't feel like that moment's anytime soon just yet. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I'm really taking it year by year um, and really enjoying what I do. I mean, like you said, so blessed to be able to, to do this job and, and play this position. So um, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Right. I want to ask you one final question anyway. Uh, what does the goalkeepers union mean to you? It's a deep question. Yeah, actually, it's a deep question. I mean, to be honest, it means everything. I, 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 honest, I couldn't respect the position more. Um, every single professional, I, I respect them for their journey, how they get there to play at their level amount of dedication commitment it takes bravery um it's for me the most difficult position on the, on the field so many things going on um so I, I respect them all and like i said it's my it's my passion has been my whole life really and you know to be part of the union it's it's really important so yeah to see certain things being out there for for goalkeepers and, and against goalkeepers is tough for me to see but Hopefully we'll um, we'll be able to put that right over some time. I love that, mate. I I, I love goalkeeping. I love goalkeeping podcasts. I, like I love what I do, like you said. But it's just the the message and the, the positivity that we have for our job. I think it it's endearing for a lot of people to listen to. So I, I thank you very much for coming on. No, thank you for having me. Uh, the more of these that we can have, the better. Yeah. I absolutely love being here. I love all these these gloves yeah. and everything that that's just goalkeeping is yeah. is, is so cool for me and. Uh, yeah, to have me on means a lot. So really, really thank you guys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming on yours as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's good. not quite at this level, no. but well, Martin and I, we do a few episodes every summer and you'll be on. Uh, we're we're on all trying season. to spread the same message, mate. The goalkeepers are good. Exactly. That's all it is. Right. This so. has been the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Thank you very much, Asmir Begovic, by the way. What a top, thank top, you. top guest. Uh, make sure you go and like and subscribe. Uh, make sure you check out his gloves. Top draw. Thanks a lot. Brilliant, Asma. Thank you very much, mate. Nailed it, didn't we? What a save from Mark Howard. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.